The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. I knew it. You knew it. We all knew it. The Lions weren't going to win on Sunday at SoFi. Luckily, it was closer than I thought it was going to be. But again, it proves the point yet again that I don't think the Lions are going to win another football game this year. I really don't. So we'll see what happens going forward. An 8-4 and four week for yours truly in the football picks during what's happening right now in the Monday night game. While my college picks went 14-9 and nine in a long game in Happy Valley. While I do not start on the right foot in Kalamazoo. But I got an opportunity to head down to the Capitol on Saturday. You'll hear my experience at the Jackets game on Saturday night. Yes, I did make it to the Jackets game on Saturday night. And they absolutely sucked on Saturday night. But we're having a post-game edition of All Andy Alford tonight because the Jackets get the job done and win against the Dallas Stars. And you're listening to a special edition of All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Because after all, I love you guys. Guess who's back? All Andy Alford. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. Domino! Hit to a home run! Go! That's way back! Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears! Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred. Right here on your exclusive home for me, and that is the Anchor Network, and you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, or even right here on the Anchor Network app. Thank you. Thank you for the bottom of my heart. Thank you for tuning into our show this evening as this is a post-game edition of All Andy Alfred. You could be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as on Facebook.com slash all Andy Alford. So welcome into the program tonight. A lot to get into, of course. We will recap week seven of the NFL season, of course, as the Monday night game is going on as we speak. It is 10-7 in favor of the Saints at halftime right now. Also, we have, we'll recap week eight of the college football slate. A big game in Happy Valley, of course, Ohio State taking on Indiana, Notre Dame in the USC game, a big rivalry game there, as well as we'll have our Falcon recap for you as well as Bowling Green took on Eastern Michigan. I have a lot to say on that game going forward here in just a little bit. Uh, 
We'll also dive into Game 1 of the World Series, which will take place tomorrow night, as it will be the Houston Astros taking on the Atlanta Braves. We'll preview that matchup here in just a few moments as well, as well as an Andy Rance we want to get to tonight, as well as a walleye recap. Walleye started their season this past weekend in Kalamazoo. We'll talk a little bit about that here in just a little bit. Like as I mentioned before, you could be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. So welcome into the show. Let's get right into it as we are doing this show post-game edition as the Jackets took on the Dallas Stars tonight at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard in the heart of the Arena District in downtown Columbus, Ohio, as this is now the Jackets Recap. It's time to fire the cannon, and it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. As it is time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So, the Jackets, a big game tonight against the Dallas Stars, but we're going to break down what's happened over since we last did the show on Friday night for the Falcon Friday edition of the program. And by the way, got to make mention of this. Thank you so much for all of your views, as well as all of your listens to the show. Truly, truly a blessing to have great fans uh, listening in and watching into the show from Friday night, as we will be doing another Falcon Friday on our Falcon Friday edition of the program on Facebook Live going forward. But let's get into uh, Saturday, first and foremost. The Jackets coming off of the big win in overtime the other night against the New York Islanders on Thursday night. They welcomed in the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, let me talk to you about what happened with yours truly on Saturday, of course. Uh, I was sitting at home. I was actually sitting at my other job working, and I got a message from my wife. Uh, my wife uh, my wife and I are ticket holders. Not really ticket holders, but we're, uh, we get text alerts for the Blue Jackets, of when tickets are on sale or tickets go on sale or when they're having a contest or whether they're doing, you know, whatever promotional situation it is. Well, on Thursday, on Wednesday afternoon, evening, we both got a text message saying, hey, sign up for this and you could win tickets to see the Jackets for the following games. Now, one of the games was the Islander game on Thursday. The other game was Saturday night against Carolina and the game tonight against Dallas. So we both looked at each other and said, you know what, let's do it. Let's put our names in. Let's see what happens. I put my name in for the Islander game on Thursday night because we were both off on Thursday night. We figured, you know, maybe we go down to Columbus for the afternoon and then we'll drive home Thursday night and we'll watch the game. We all both were also off on Saturday night. So we thought, maybe she'll put her name in on Saturday night. I'll put my name in on Thursday night. And we can both put our names again on Monday night, just in case, if we get tickets. But she was working working tonight. I was at home this evening watching the game. So, put our names in. Thursday comes. We did not get picked. 
for the Thursday game. So Friday comes through. We did the I did my show Friday night. Saturday I'm at my at my other job watching the Bowling Green game as much as I could before I had to turn it off because it was just absolutely atrocious. And I get a text message from my wife. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon. She says she says, So what's the plan for the day? Well we were headed over to if you were watching our Facebook show, you were hearing that we we're going to head to the enemy territory. We we're going to head over to the Glass Bowl to watch Western Michigan take on Toledo. And so I laid out the plan, and she said, or we could do this. She sends me the email that she says that she's won four tickets to see the Jackets take on Carolina. And she had her choice of where she wants to sit. Now, they gave her four options of seating. She could sit in the upper bowl, in the mezzanine, or in the lower corner, or in the lower bowl. Of course, we were curious to see what the lower bowl seat was, and it was in section 120, row U as in unibrow, right in the middle, 7, 8, 9, and 10, four pack of tickets. And I said to her, well, it's up to you. Do you want to go to Columbus, or do you not want to go to Columbus? And she said, I'd rather go to Columbus. I said, I know I have a keeper with a wife. When she says, I'd rather go to Columbus than go to see the UT Western Michigan game. So yeah, we packed up the car. I left. I left my job. Went over to. Uh, went, went back to the house. Grabbed some stuff, and we went down to Columbus. We got there at five o'clock in the afternoon, and I tell you, folks, Columbus was busy that night with uh, a concert happening at Express Live. You had the crew playing the New York City Red Bulls over at Lower.com Field, a convention happening at the convention center, and throwing the hockey game in at the same time, too. So a lot of people condensed in that one area. Uh, we got down there around 5 o'clock, had a light dinner at the uh, restaurant called Zoop, of course. It's one of the national chains. Uh, Zoop and had a sandwich and, some sa- and a soup. Went into the arena. It just felt right to be back home at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. Of course, you'll see some of the pictures on our face on our Facebook page that I took from our seats, as well as from as well as from outside of Nationwide Arena, which is you know some of the backdrops which I love to see. Uh, the Jackets, you know, got a, getting a chance to go down to the lower bowl, watching warmups, uh, and where we sit for warmups. Literally went four row, four or five rows up more, and there was our seats right there. So we had a great view. We saw Jonas Corposal in the net again. They were wearing the third jerseys, and again, I say it, when they wear the third jerseys, they always seem to have a bad game, and they had a terrible game on Saturday night as they took on the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina jumping out to an early 2 to nothing lead in the first period. Now the the play of this, I'll say this, a power play goal, bad, bad penalty taken on the Jackets, causes on Trochak, Trochak buries it past, past Corpusalo, and it's it's 2-0. Fast was a snapshot, beat Corpusalo, and I'm going to just say this, this team does not play well with Corpusalo in the net, they 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 lollygag with the puck. I I I just I just don't understand how you know what I saw Tuesday. 
I thought, you know, they could get better. They got better against the Islanders, but then they took two more steps back against the Hurricanes. And I did not really like that. Absolutely did not like that at all. And and it was fast getting the first goal on a snapshot with the assist from Jordan Stahl. And after 20 minutes, it was 2-0 Carolina. And I thought, oh boy, we got a lot of work to do in the second period. We need to... We need to jump all over Carolina in the in that period. And sure enough, Boone Jenner gets a power play goal on a five-on-three attempt. The Jackets do get the better end, and they score. Jenner his fourth from Voracek and Patrick Line. It's 2-1 Carolina on the power play. But then Jordan Stahl on a deflected shot on the power play beats Corposalo. It's 3-1. And then... To put the knife in a little bit more, Sebastian Ajo getting his third of the season in the third period from Trocek and Tara Vinen on the power play again. And bad penalties killed the Jackets yet again on this game. I I, I just don't understand. It, maybe it's just the lack of the, the youth that this team has or it's it, it's got to be coaching. It's got to get better with the, with the situation. But you just can't have it. It was 4-1 Carolina. And then Trocek, a snapshot, beating Corpusalo, and that was it right there. Puts the dagger in in the game, and Carolina gets a big 5-1 win over the Jackets in front of a good-sized crowd at Nationwide Arena on Saturday night. As it was the three stars of the game was Vincent Trocek, the number one star, Frederick Anderson, the number two star, Jordan Stahl, the number three star. The Jackets had their first shot on that at the 11-minute mark of the first period, and that you can't just have that you really can't have that they were outshot in the game 33 to 28 on on saturday night they were outshot in the face-off dot 56 percent to 44 percent on the power play the jackets were one for four however carolina was at five at 50 percent efficiency efficiency at three for six they had eight minutes in penalties the jackets had 12 minutes in penalties hurricanes had 12 blocks to columbus's 10 the Jackets had less giveaways at three giveaways, but they had more takeaways at the same time, too. At the end of 20 minutes, it was 11-7 in the shots. In the second period, Carolina led the shots at 13-12, and both teams tied in the nine, at nine shots in the third period. So that, you just can't have... And I'm just going to say this right now, okay? I, I, you know, I love management. I love management. I love... With with JD coming back, I love the fact that you know Yarmo gets Yarmo things done. I'm just gonna say this right now. I'm gonna throw this out there right now, and I don't care if I get criticized, ridiculed, or blamed or yelled at because of this. I don't think Patrick Line is worth ten million dollars. I swear to God, this kid cannot. He, two goals in overtime. He's an overtime shooter. He stands in the pocket too long when he, he he doesn't know how to shoot the damn puck on the damn net. That's number two. Number three, he dangles with it too much, too much like Artemi Panarin. I can't stand that. Put the puck in, in front of the net and play it. Plain and simple. When you get your shot, take the shot. Okay? Don't dangle with it. Please. I, 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 I just just don't dangle with it. I just can't stand that. I honestly can't stand that. And 
it just bothers me. It bothers me to no end. It really does. It really does. And I I don't see why this guy is worth $10 million. I really don't see it. By the way, the attendance at Nationwide, with all the events happening at, at, at Lore.com and everything, 14,386 in a 18,000-seat uh, 18, stadium. So 4,000 less. Kind of figured it with Ohio State going on, the concerts and everything like that. You know, I can understand the crowd not being there to, uh, not being there on Saturday night. That's it's just plain and simple. But it was a great time. Uh, I will say that you know, being at Nationwide, it was just felt a little bit more comforting than what we were dealing with on Tuesday. Of course, we were at, at Little Caesars on Tuesday, so we were in the enemy territory. And the two goals that we saw together have been Boone Jenner, and the people and people are asking me, well, you know. Maybe you should just stay away from watching them live and in person. I said, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right on the situation, because tonight got an opportunity to sit at home, watch the Jackets on TV, you know, and they put up a big, big game against Dallas, which is great to see. I will say this too: the state, the the county, Franklin County, does a fantastic job with their masks. Uh, masks are required at all times at Nationwide Arena. It, we're, other than eating and drinking in your own seat, uh, the best play to do that is get a box of popcorn. You're sitting all night eating popcorn, drinking a soda, watching the game. I play that pretty card pretty well. So there's that for you. So the Jackets losing to Carolina on Saturday night, 5-1 to one in front of yours truly. The Jackets did play tonight. Dallas coming a calling. Dallas a big contender for the Jackets. You know, they played each other a lot last year, and the Jackets getting the better end tonight as they get the big win at Nationwide Arena before this big three-game road swing, which will start on Friday night. The Jackets a 4-1 win tonight over the Dallas Stars at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. The Jackets leading it off with Oliver Bjorkstrand, a great pass from Jack Roslevic, and a 2-1-1 shot beating the goaltender on the low side, on the low glove side, jackets up one nothing from Roslovic and Hoffman, one nothing after twenty minutes. And I said, you know that that's that's great to see. The jackets need to get off to an early lead. It was fantastic. Now I'm going to say this in the second period. Second period, okay. Now Cole Sillinger took a shot, like dead dead on, on the gold on. On goaltender Braden Hopi, who used to play for the Washington Capitals, of course. Uh, took a shot on net. Puck crystalled through Hopi. It goes past the line, in my opinion. You will we'll post the they'll post the replay on our on our Twitter and our Facebook accounts. And you make the judgment call. Is that a goal or is that not a goal? Because in my opinion, that is a goal. It crosses the line. There's a little bit of white showing. The NHL reviewed it, confirmed that it is no goal. They take the goal off the board, and it's still one nothing. But the kid, the rookie, the 28-year-old, Gregory Hoffman, getting his first NHL goal 
from Oliver Bjorkstrand in the second period. 10-39 mark of the second period on a snapshot beating Hopi. It's 2-0 Jackets after 40 minutes. And I said, okay, we just need one more to secure it. Maybe lock this down to you know make it make me feel a little bit better of the situation. And sure enough, 514 mark of the third period. It was the Zach attack. Zach Warinsky getting his second of the season, getting beating Braden Hopi on a snapshot as it was Warinsky's second of the season. 3-0 Jackets. Assists from Corrali and Robinson. And the Jackets were up 3-0. And I said, oh boy. Okay, that puts some traction that put makes me breathe a little bit easier now. I'm like, okay. Okay, that's great. That's great. You know, and they they looked a lot better than they were on Saturday night. You know, I don't want to say this and be criticizing of Corpy and everything. Because I love Corpy. He is a fantastic goaltender. But I'm going to just say this. I'm just going to say this. I feel that this team plays more for Elvis than they do for Corpy. And the two starts that Corpy has made and that I have been there and watching, it just feels like they lollygag too much and rely let Corpy rely on his play. And I just I just don't like that. I really, really don't like that. And, you know, you have to play for everybody on the team that wears that sweater. And I just absolutely hate that, you know, it, it looks like that on the ice. It really does. And that, you know, it, it just makes me, it makes me upset over the situation. So, you know, prove me wrong, Jackets. Prove me wrong. And maybe, 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 just maybe, I could eat crow. We'll see. But the but Elvis Merzlink, it's a great outing for him tonight. Of course, he was going for the shutout. Unfortunately, Tyler Sagan on a net, on a, uh, with the goalie pulled at the 17-41 mark of the third period, beats Elvis Merzlinkens from, from Suter and Lindell. 3-1 Jackets before, then after that, Alexander Texier getting the empty net goal and putting it in the bag for the Jackets as the Jackets win 4-1 over the Dallas Stars tonight at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. The three stars of the game, the number three star was Oliver Bjorkstrand with a goal and assist. And by the way, his assist was his 100th career assist in the National Hockey League. The number two star was the foremost rookie Gregory Hoffman getting his first goal of the of his career in the NHL as well as an assist. And the number one star went to Elvis Merzlinkis, stopping a great game for him as Elvis Stopped 31 of 32. His save percentage of a point 9.69 gets him the number one star. By the way, for Hopi, and he stopped 22 of 25. His save percentage of a point 8.80. So the Jackets getting a big win there. The overall stats: the Jackets were outshot in this game, 32 to 26. Both teams 50% off at the 50% at the faceoff dot. Both teams 0 for on the power play. The Jackets 0 for 4. Uh, Dallas 0 for 3. Jackets were out hitting the game 22 to 13. They were out blocked in the game 13 to 9 as well. So the Jackets a big win. By the way, looking at it, uh, not a big crowd on hand on a Monday night. Kind of figured it wasn't. The paid attendance tonight was 12,629 at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. So the Jackets big win. 
They'll get back onto the road. They'll get on the road. They uh, won't have another game now until the end of the week. That's Friday night. They'll take on the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Friday night, 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. And then on Halloween at 5 p.m., they will take on the New Jersey Devils. Big game for the De- big game there for the Jackets. And uh, I hope Frank the Tank's there because I like to see Frank Fleming rocking out the with against the Blue Jackets. That would be kind of cool to see there. Then they'll head to Colorado on Wednesday night. They'll take on the Avalanche before they return home back to Nationwide to take on that same Avalanche team. So we'll see how that all shakes out. The Jackets, a big win tonight as well. Uh, news and notes to pass along. Uh, Max Domi is was took in morning skate. He had a uh, fractured rib. Uh, looks like he could be back on the roster in the next few weeks, which is a great sign to see. Also got to make mention of this as well, too. The Jackets having a big night on the in the CBJ Foundation, donating $1.25 million to children's charities as well. So, you know, great to see the Jackets Foundation, you know, giving back to the Columbus community and in a big way, a huge way. So that is good to see. So that is the Jacket recap. Of course, let's take a look around the NHL for you tonight. As it was the Hurricanes, a winner 4-1 over the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs are struggling, my friends. How about the Sabres? Beating the defending Stanley Cup champions 5-1 to at home. Unbelievable. The Senators fall to the, Dow- to the um, Washington Capitals 7-5. Carolina, Carolina, a you know, they're perfect so far, which is unbelievable. So you know who else is perfect right now? The Florida Panthers. Panthers a five three win over the Arizona Coyotes tonight. The Flames beating up on the Rangers five to one, and the Blues shutting out the LA Kings by a score of three to nothing right now. Actually, that game has just gone final. Tomorrow's slate, the ESPN game, 8 p.m. Eastern. It'll be the Vegas Golden Knights traveling to Colorado to battle the Avalanche. Also, tomorrow night, 10 p.m., Montreal is in Seattle to battle the Kraken. And by the way, Saturday night got an opportunity as I was headed home from 200 West Nationwide Boulevard, took 315 up to 23, got an opportunity to listen to our good friend Everett Fitzhugh. Everett's first home broadcast with the Seattle Kraken. He absolutely killed it. He did a fantastic job. You got to give credit to Everett for that. It was fantastic to see. It was fantastic to hear his voice in that thunderous role because he is, he is the golden voice of Bowling Green hockey, and he is the golden voice of hockey in my my opinion. So, congratulations, Everett, and uh, looking forward to. More games to come. Of course, uh, there is a talk. Uh, NHL, there's, there was a rumor speculating to down, for tomorrow night's Seattle-Montreal game. And that is that the Seattle Kraken is planning on lifting a Stanley Cup championship banner from the 1919 Stanley Cup champion Seattle Metropolitans. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but we were getting reports from Elliot Friedman as well as Jeff Marek 
from the NH from the NHL from hockey news as well as well, Elliot Freeman from Hockey Night Canada and Sportsnet that they might do this tomorrow night. The team that they beat in 1919 are the Montreal Canadiens. So that would just be absolutely amazing to see that. I I I would I would absolutely be amazing with that. Absolutely amazing. So we'll see how that all shakes out. We will see how that all shakes out. Also, got to make mention of this: Ryan Getzlaff has been fined one thousand dollars and caught, been penalized for that after giving a dangerous trip against uh, Eric Elkson. Excuse me, Joel Eric Erickson Elk on uh, on Saturday night. He's been fined a thousand dollars as well as I forget who the other player was. Oh. Uh, Kublai from from Philadelphia has been fined two thousand six hundred eighty seven dollars and fifty cents for his incident on Friday, as his, on his incident against Florida Panthers Marchant, which is the maximum penalty. So there is the news and notes around the NHL. Now let's talk a little bit about what happened up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, this past Saturday night as the Walleye took on the Kalamazoo Wings in their home opener. Kalamazoo's home opener, by the way, as they took on the K-Wings at Event Center. Great crowd on hand to see the K-Wings take on the Walleye, of course, as the Walleye fall in the game 5-2 to the Kalamazoo Wings. Uh, Billy Christopoulos. In the game, Katie Fulcher stopping 14 of 14. Uh, Billy Kershaw stopping 7 of 12 in the game. In this one, uh, let's take a look. The Walleye had two goals in the first period, but K- the K-Wings put four up on the first, one in the second to win the game 5 to 2. The Walleye outshot Kalamazoo in the game 36 to 26. The, Jack, the Walleye had four minutes in penalties and to Kalamazoo's eight minutes of penalties as the, the Walleye were one for three on the power play. Kalamazoo was 0 for 1. Trevor Gorsuch gets the win. He played all 60 minutes, stopping 34 of 36 in the game. The three stars, Eric Bradford, the number three star. Max Humans, the number two star, and Trevor Gorsuch, the number one star in the game. By the way, you mentioned Bradford getting the goal started off his first of the season from Bryce and Murray, and then Max Muntz Hunts getting his first of the season, making it 2 nothing K Wings in the first period before Billy, before Gordon Miller getting his first for the Walleye, then John Albert getting his first of the season. It was 2 2 before. Then K the K Wings then getting two goals in the first from Brad Miller and Mutes again, making it four two after twenty minutes, and then Tanner Sorensen getting the getting the nod, getting the eventual game winner, his first of the season at the fifty five seconds into the second period. So the Walleye fall in the home opener for the Fish. By the way, Cincinnati winner 3-2 over the Indy Fuel on Saturday night. Fort Wayne beats the Wheeling Nailers by a score of 4-3. to 
games this week for the in the NA in the ECHL. Kalamazoo will host Friday night against the Cincinnati Cyclones. Uh, Toledo will travel to Iowa to battle the new Iowa team. Eight o'clock puck drop on Friday night. They will also play them again on Saturday at eight o'clock. Uh, Kalamazoo comes to Kalamazoo hosts Fort Wayne on Saturday night as Cincinnati will then host the Indy Field. The Walleye won't return home, like I mentioned before, until next weekend, not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend for the big double header game as they'll play Friday, Saturday night against Kalamazoo in the home opener. And then Sunday, the defending champions, Fort Wayne, come to the Huntington Center. So there is that for you guys as the Walleye are 0-1 to start the season. We'll keep tabs on them as they head out to Iowa this upcoming weekend to take on the the new Iowa team, the Heartlanders is what they're called. So the Iowa Heartlanders versus the Toledo Walleye this upcoming weekend in Iowa. As you're listening to All Indy Offer tonight, this post-game edition as the Jackets a big 4-1 win over the Dallas Stars right here on the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You're listening to me on either the Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the Anchor app. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's dive into the gridiron. Oh, and we'll start with college first and foremost because I have more of a beef with the Falcons than I do with the Lions right now. So the way that this program has been running... You know, I figured that they would be taking so many, they're taking so many steps forward to, you know, positive energy, positive vibes. And the fact that this program is so, so good just absolutely hurts me to say what I'm about to say here. This is, this, this game Saturday was an absolute embarrassment. To watch this game, to listen to this game, and to actually, you know, see people that I know that went to this game was just, they, they've told me that this is an embarrassment to to Bowling Green football. I, I, I am just absolutely shocked. I was disappointed. I was absolutely appalled at how this game went down. I really, I really am. And the point of this game, you know, we haven't played Eastern Michigan in four years, we played them for the first time at Doit Perry Stadium at noon. A good-sized crowd on hand for this game. And you know, and you figured, you know, all the positives that came out last week, you know, moving the ball better, you know, we're playing better. We're playing, we're playing decent. You know, the, the Akron game was a shocker. To yours truly, and, and then the Northern Illinois game just getting pounded, you know. But the, a lot of positives coming out of that game. I figure, you know, we could maybe take the next step and finally finish the job and win this game against Eastern Michigan, who is struggling. They're struggling this season, you know, especially in that division with Northern Illinois, Toledo, Western Michigan. Ball State, all competing to get into the top spot. I figured we would be on upset alert for this game. I took Bowling Green in this game, and 
I, I, I believed in this team. I am still believing in this team. There's a lot of good progress. But to last, but Saturday's game against Eastern Michigan showed us two things. One, all this work that they have made just went down the tubes. Bad penalties. It shows you that this team is extremely, extremely extremely young that's number one number two the poor play on the offensive line I, I just I just don't see where Leffler is seeing this progress on the offensive line I, I just don't I absolutely don't and Matt McDonald there, there's nothing I can say about Matt McDonald that hasn't already been said that's in the positives you know, he had a great game on Saturday, you know. Stewart, a great game as well. But, you know, when you play against Eastern Michigan, who is just a dominant team on the run game, as well as through the air, through the air just absolutely just torched us. Absolutely just torched us. Through the air. As Eastern Michigan just absolutely annihilated the Bowling Green State University Falcons. 55-24 to at Doit Perry Stadium on Saturday. Three quarterbacks in the game for Eastern Michigan. Bryant was the key one. Was, of course, the runner. 20 of 26. His QBR of 89.4. Had 286 total yards throwing... Two TDs. Hutchinson was the other other quarterback. Three for four, 21 yards, one TD. Evans, two for two for 18 yards, one TD. Four TDs through the air. Okay, Evans, the running back, like I mentioned, was another quarterback. Eight carries, 42 yards. Boone, seven carries, 37 yards, one TD. Bryant, six carries, 11 yards, one TD. The quarterback had over... Three touchdowns himself between the throwing and the passing. Can't have that. In the receiving end, Oaks, four catches, 79 yards, one TD. Drummond, six catches, 63 yards, one TD. Cannon, two catches, 56 yards, one TD. Okora, four catches, 37 yards, one TD. You can't have it. You just can't have it. For Matty, 20 for 35. His QBR rating, a 35.5. 223 total yards, no TDs, one interception. The run game was there for Bowling Green. I got to give props to that. Mosley, seven carries, 43 yards, one TD. Stewart, eight carries, 57 yards, one TD. Patterson, four carries, nine yards. The receiving core was just not there. Everly, one catch for 44 yards. The, the, the main receiver was Osborne. He had five catches for 42 yards. And looking at the stats, it's just... Penalties, again. Okay. Bowling Green had 18 first downs to 20 Easterns, 25. On third down, Bowling Green was 6 for 14. Eastern was 7 for 12. You can't complete that. Eastern was 1 for 2 on fourth down. Got to give credit to the BG defense on that. For keeping it at 50% going for 2 for 2. Total yardage. 
Bowling Green had 374 total yards, 244 through the air, 130 on the ground. In the eastern side, they have 455 total yards, 325 through the air, 130 on the ground. Like I mentioned, penalties, 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 penalties killed Bowling Green. Eight penalties for 49 yards in this game. Three penalties, 25 yards for Eastern Michigan. The Falcons turned the ball over twice on a fumble and interception that Matt McDonald threw. Eastern muffed the punt, recovered by Bowling Green. They captured the points on that, but that was all mostly the offense that they got from there from that team all day. Bowling Green did not lead in the possession at 31 minutes and 34 seconds was Eastern's lead. They led the possession to Bowling Green's 28 minutes and 26 seconds. Bowling Green now falls to 2-6 and six this season, while Eastern goes to 5-3. and three. Of course, it's Monday, so that, with us doing all Andy Alford on Monday, that means that you get to hear the coach, Scott Leffler, in his press conference this, this afternoon at Dwight Perry Stadium. i gotta give, you got to give credit for He kind of looks like he just got out of the shower, in my opinion. If you see the video, and we'll post the video on our Facebook page, you look at the video... He looks like he just got out of the shower. But, of course, you know, around here in Northwest Ohio, it's been raining for the last last day and a half. So they might have had practice, and he went, came in for that. But uh, you'll hear what he has to say about, about Saturday's game. First and foremost, we'll have the Saturday post game for you here in moments. And then we will also play the audio from Monday's press conference to get you set up for Saturday afternoon's only Mac game. As Bowling Green travels to Buffalo, and they are already a seven and a half point underdog. So here is the coach, Scott Leffler, in our post game, in our post game, as well as conversation with the coach. The entire first half, all three phases, stepped uh, um, BG beat BGSU um, in the first half, and um, we're not going to let uh, last year's. Uh, play creep back in but um, it's the first time this season that uh, I'm disappointed we took steps backwards and uh, it felt like last year and uh, come hell or high water uh, that's not occurring and um, it did and that's my responsibility our, t- our program was uh, is moving in the right direction but it sure as hell didn't do it didn't move today and that's the facts. And um, so when you're an undisciplined football team, it's the head coach's responsibility. Jumping off sides, heck of a third down play, unsportsmanlike conduct. That's on me. Questions? Kevin, coach, you said that one of your better walkthroughs of for this program in a long time was before that NIU game last week. Did you feel like you had a similar walkthrough today? Yes, yes, we did. But let's have let's let's make sure that walkthrough looks like that on Tuesday and Wednesday. That's our problem. The intensity, the go get it mentality. We think that that on that football field right now, that there's a different speed on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, opposed to what Saturday looks like, and and, and that's got to change. So lack of discipline's on me, and we need to get some leadership. Coach, this is senior day, and I know some of those seniors have eligibility left. We had graduate students. You want to talk about their role at this point, some of the older players? 
what they can do to help this program? It's senior day, but uh, it's as far from uh, their last game. So we'll talk about their last game when it, when it is their last game. When you look at that exchange early on, uh, the muff punt, which allowed you guys to ultimately get a touchdown, how big of an infusion was it at that time? Did you feel like things were, were cooking in your direction in the game at that time, even after that touchdown? Well, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't get going period we would uh positive 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 second and three jump off sides um we're not a football team right now that can overcome uh non-talent issues penalties and again um we're at week whatever it is that's my responsibility we shouldn't be jumping off sides left and right and um we definitely shouldn't be getting a personal foul call when we make a great play and that's me that's going to get solved in terms fast. Of, no, in terms of the pass rush, Coach, I was going to ask you a little bit about it. Didn't get home as much here today. What did you kind of attribute that to? We didn't play good defense today, however you skin it. And uh, um, eye violations weren't disciplined. I think they uh, only uh, had five incompletions all day long. So we need to get back and we need to get to work. Coach, what credit can you give Eastern Michigan for what they were able to do offensively? We didn't play good defense. Good afternoon. Um, Saturday uh, might have been the first uh, time this season that uh, we walked off the field and uh, as a coaching staff as and as players, uh, majorly disappointed. Uh, we felt like uh, we took a few steps backwards had the taste, smell, and feel a little bit of the past, and uh, that has not been the case over uh, these last uh, weeks of our season. Um, looking forward to getting back on track. Looking forward to being uh, having a great week and getting ourselves to Buffalo and being super competitive and give ourselves a chance to win. I think I kind of had the same feeling. It felt like it was a, a little step back. No question. What was, what was the biggest reason? For that evening, and how do you how do you not allow that to continue to be a thing? Yeah, it's been uh, you know no disrespect to any of the teams that we played, but uh, no one has beat us. We beat ourselves completely. It's been BG on BG, SU, and uh, you have nine penalties, and all nine of which the penalties never occurred during a play. Pre-snap penalties. Unsportsmanlike conduct, and uh, that's discipline. And uh, that, just like I said after the game, that's on me. We need to become more disciplined. We will with time and age, but uh, that needs to be addressed. And then uh, defensively, we didn't uh, we didn't do the things that we normally do. Uh, we didn't uh, stop uh, we stopped the run, but we didn't stop the pass game whatsoever. I think they had five uh, incomplete passes all day long. And then uh, in the kicking game, um, we had a blocked punt, and then uh, we had also a, a muffed kickoff. So it was a recipe for disaster, and uh, we were in the same position we were in the Northern Illinois game, and uh, we found a way in the Northern game to uh, score a touchdown, get a stop, have a chance to put the thing into overtime, 
missed on a double move. And we were in that same scenario versus Eastern, and then within a two-minute span, we're down 28, which that's what tasted and felt like last year. So um, with all that being said, you know, we got a lot of corrections to do. We got a lot of work to do during the week to get over that. We got a lot of work to do in January through August to, to get over all these issues. But uh, we were disappointed. Just like I said, we were moving completely in the right direction. And we took a step back. Is it fixable? Is it something you can fix in season right now? Or is this just stuff that's going to take time? And you, it, I mean, well, things the, pop up the big picture-wise, the big yeah. picture-wise, you need another year. The short-term is it's not next year yet. It's not January yet. So... We're doing with, with everything within our power that you can do during the season um, to fix these issues. And uh, to say that uh, they're going to be perfect during the season and, and you, you can get some corrected. And uh, if you get some corrected, you have a better chance to win than, than, uh, than not getting them corrected. So, um, but in the big grand scheme of things, big picture-wise, yeah, there's, there's things that need to, to occur January through We've taken a huge step January through August last year, but it's still not enough. But right now, we'll worry about January through August when January comes about. We're trying to fix uh, some uh, difficult problems during the season, and uh, hopefully we can make some headway in these next four weeks. I, I know this. Matt has had some moments this year where he's played well. Um, I, I don't know what you thought of it, how he played the other day. Um, has there been any thought to using anybody else at the quarterback position this year or, or not? Absolutely not. And uh, uh, I always uh, call it like it is at that position. The, the tip balls and all that that occurred were flat, the tackles being pushed back into his lap. And uh, uh, he did some really good things on, uh, on, on Saturday. And then the things that didn't occur right necessarily were, were out of his control. And uh, you know, just like I said, there was one time that he was East uh, Player of the Week, and I didn't think he played at all. I mean, he had great numbers and all this other stuff, and there's times where he hasn't had those numbers and played excellence, and there was things that were completely out of his control that the average fan doesn't see. Is it reassuring in a sense knowing that some of these issues are internal and they're fixable and it's not necessarily what the opponent's giving you on the other side that you are competitive? Yeah, and that's that's football, though, right now. I mean, it's so even across the board. There's so much parity across the board that, uh, generally speaking, it's the team that doesn't beat themselves, and that's what we're doing right now. We're beating ourselves, so um, we need to take the next step. I look forward to taking the next step. But uh, it's going to take a lot of great effort, a lot of change. We've made tons of change, but not enough. And uh, it's normally what happens when you have uh, so much youth. You know, the urgency, the understanding that every single thing matters during the week, every single thing matters off the field, in the classroom. It all adds up, and young guys generally, uh, it takes some failure to realize that uh, – they really do matter. Saturday, you kind of mentioned the lack of leadership. What do you want to see from the 
the few veterans that you have, how do you want to see them kind of step up? Well, there, uh, there's, a, there's only a few. And uh, the few, it needs to start somewhere, though. And those few that, uh, that we do have need to get together and, and make a decision on what they want their team to look like, what they want the locker room to look like, what their standards and expectations are. Um, it was a huge step whenever Clawson took over. Was able to give the the team the locker room. We're still not at that point. It's a coach-driven team right now, and that's not good. You know, the championship teams are player-driven teams, and uh, we're still not at that point yet where uh, we have enough leadership that is going to run the locker room, that's going to spark practice, that's going to uh, uh, hold other people accountable during practice for effort, for attention to detail, and that'll occur with time, but uh, that's one of our major issues is that right there. And that one, I don't know if it can get corrected right now, but we need to get it started. We need to, we need some of these older guys to step up and start falling into a, uh, a role that uh, in today's generation, and I don't know why it's uncomfortable. And uh, it wasn't in when we played and all that. It wasn't, I mean, it just was what you did. It's an uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable deal for these guys right now, and that's uh, figuring out why it's uncomfortable. Coach, um, we're a month removed from you guys defeating Minnesota at their house. And do you feel that that win at all has gotten into players' heads? No, not at all. Not at all. We're too young to even remotely think that that, uh, that, that win got in our way. So, no, not at all. Not at all. They, I thought they, for a young team, I thought they handled that quite well. And uh, I thought our juice and our energy the next week at Kent uh, was great. We just didn't find a way to finish five or six plays. So, no, not at all. Not even remotely, to answer your question. What's the uh, early outlook on Buffalo? Uh, very good team. Uh, you know, they, were, they were exceptional last year. The back was exceptional. Uh, they're still really good, though. They play hard. We got to play our very best game and stay out of our own way to uh, give ourselves a chance. So this is a team that we got to drag in the fourth quarter and uh, find a way to win at the end. Any more questions, Coach? Hey, just what was your your biggest message coming out of last week? Because it, it felt like you were frustrated. And you, you I was. Was that, what was your biggest message after that one? The uh, the four things that we're going to work our tail off on is, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about our four main objectives this week besides, you know, trying to win the game. Is number one, um, when someone tells you to do something, you do it immediately and you're, you're on point. You, you don't have a – we have a tendency right now that a coach will say something to a player two, three, four, five, six, seven times to get it done. And that's just age, that's maturity. And our goal is, hey, one time, just one time. And if you don't know it, that's why we meet for an ungodly amount of hours. Ask the question. Ask why. And then uh, the second is uh, to really focus on, and it's hard, and, and, and I don't get it, but we still haven't figured this point out yet. And there's players that do it, there's players that don't do it, is there should be no different mentality, no different speed on Saturday opposed to Tuesday. No difference. Zero. 
that's how you get rid of those five or six plays because you have some consistency of what and how you do business. Right now we're up, down, and around because of what occurs during the week. And I know that everyone hates hearing that, but that's the truth. That's why we're not finishing the four to six plays that we're supposed to finish. And then three, um, competitiveness. Um, we need to, and we're going to really work and putting ourselves in positions of win or loser. You know, the game's on the line. Put the ball on the ten yard line, and you got to stop them. Uh, we need to, we need to ratchet up and learn how to compete a little bit better than what we're doing right now. And then, last but not least, and uh, and it happened, and it hasn't happened this year, but it happened on Saturday. So we addressed it. Is you know, bad stuff's going to happen in a game. I mean, that's football. I mean, there's ups, there's downs, there's momentum swings. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, we got to really concentrate on you're never out of the fight. And uh, I, I brought up, it kind of reminded me of the day. You know, we were 17 years from ago. We were down 17 points with five minutes and 49 seconds in a stadium that has 120,000 people and 20,000 were left. And we found a way to win the game. We were never out of the fight. We never, we never gave in, and uh, we really need to work on that. You know, if things go bad, you know, we're not out of the fight, and uh, to be able to let those bad plays go, 100% concentration on that play, and, and, and worry about our job. So those are the four things that we're really concentrating on. The four things that we need to get get over the top with. So you just heard the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons. Scott Leffler, and you, going back first and foremost to his comments from Saturday's game, the post game. Uh, yeah, I mean, having the opportunity to see this team, you know, do so well against Minnesota, and then just absolutely, just part of my language is shit the bed against their MAC opponents. They have not yet won a MAC game. They've won only two games this year, and there's been non-conference opponents with Murray State and the Minnesota game. Um, it just hurts. It really, really does hurt. And it, it just doesn't get easier for Bowling Green. Bowling Green has the Buffalo this upcoming Saturday. And then they will then have the UT game. They will have the bye in week 10. And then week 11 is the big BGUT game. which So they get rested up and get ready for that. Toledo has to play uh, Eastern in week 10, and this week they're on the bye. So most of the MAC is on the bye this week. That's a noon kickoff. And by the way, the point spread now is Buffalo by 13.5 against Bowling Green. And that will be a noon kick that game on CBS Sports Network on on national television. So we'll see how that's all going to shape up. So you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive the rest into the college football spectrum as yours truly went 14-9 and this past week. Let's take a look at the rest of the top 25 as well as the other Mid-American Conference games. So taking a look at the rest of the top 25 matchup that happened last week, week 8 of the schedule. We'll take a look at first, continue looking at the Mid-American Conference, of course, Northern Illinois, a big winner, 39-38 over Central Michigan. It was Kent State beating the Bobcats of Ohio, 34-27. to 
Miami of Ohio, big winner over Ball State, 24-17. Toledo putting a shellacking down on Western Michigan by a score of 34-15. And Buffalo, big winner, 45-10 over Akron. Like I mentioned, the only other MAC game that's happening this week is Bowling Green versus Buffalo. Buffalo, a 13.5-point favorite. Take a look at the uh, Big Ten for you. Other games from Week 8, of course, it was... Maryland losing to Minnesota 34 to 16. Wisconsin beating up on 25th ranked Purdue 30 to 13. It was Illinois in nine overtimes. Nine overtimes. As both teams, after the third overtime, tried to convert in two point conversions, could not succeed until the ninth overtime, where Illinois scores first, and then Penn State could not answer. Illinois upsets number seven Penn State by a score of 20. To 18. Michigan pushed a shellacking on Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats 33-7. And then the nightcap saw in Bloomington, Illinois, Bloomington, Indiana, my apologies, as Indiana hosted fifth-ranked Ohio State. And Ohio State, I'm not even going to recap the game because it, it was a murder game. Ohio State beating up on Indiana 54-7 to in Week 8. And those are the Big Ten games. 40 right there. Top 25 looks like this. It was all started off on Wednesday as App State upset a Coastal Carolina 30-27. to SMU a big winner 55-26 to over Tulane. It was on Saturday. It was Cincinnati, the second ranked Bearcats. A big win 27-20 to over the Naval Academy. So, you know, Cincinnati, you know, Shot was a little bit of a shocker that they only won by seven over the Naval Academy. Navy not that good this year. The big surprise is Oklahoma. Oklahoma barely gets the win. They beat Kansas 35-23. to Wake Forest putting up a shellacking on the Army 70-56. to It was Iowa State pulling the upset, beating eighth-ranked Oklahoma State 24-21. to Ole Miss a 31-17 win over LSU. Pittsburgh, 23rd ranked in the country, beats Clemson 27-17. Oregon, a 34-31 win over UCLA. Tennessee gets beat up by Alabama Roll Tide as they continue their Roll Tide over all their opponents, 52-24. Their one loss, the fourth ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. San Diego State, a winner 20-14 over the Air Force. UTSA, 45-16 win over Louisiana Tech. Miami of Florida beating up on 18th ranked NC State, 31 to 30, just barely beating the Wolfpack. Texas A&M a shellacking on the Gamecocks, 44 to 14, and Notre Dame getting a big win, 13th ranked Irish beating up on USC, 31 to 16. So week eight is in the books. Week nine will look like this. Looking at the top 25 rankings going in before we look at the other games. In week nine of the college football season, Georgia was idle last week. They're the number one seed so far. Cincinnati is still at two. Alabama moves up one and three. Oklahoma falls one down to four. Ohio State five. Michigan is six. Oregon is seven. Michigan State is at eight. In Iowa is at nine. Ole Miss is at ten. Notre Dame moves up two spots to number 11. Kentucky moves to 12. Wake Forest, the 13, Texas A&M is 14. Oklahoma State, the big drop of seven spots. They now go to 15th. Baylor is now 16th. Pitt is 17. Auburn, 18. SMU is 19. 
the big drop, one of the big drops, Penn State. They now go from 7 to 20, 20th in the AP poll, 13 spots. San Diego State is 21st, uh, Iowa State 22nd. UTSA is down, is up one spot to 23rd. Coastal Carolina falls 10th spots to 24. And the BYU Cougars are 25th ranked in the country. That's the top 25. The top 25 slate looks like this. Troy will head to Coastal Carolina on Thursday, 7.30 kick on ESPN2. Saturday slate looks like this. If you got Apple picking going on or if you got anything going on, I'm just telling you this right now. Put it to the side. Put it to the side. Big slate of games this weekend for Halloween weekend. Second ranked Cincinnati heads to Tulane. Noon kick on ESPN 2. Ninth ranked Iowa heads to Wisconsin. Noon kick on ESPN. The big one. This is the big one. Circle it. Get the chips. Get the dip. Get the pizza. Get this ready. Sixth ranked Michigan. Michigan heads up to Little Brother to East Lansing to battle the Michigan State Spartans. Noon kick on Fox. Michigan is a four and a half point favorite right now, so it's a point and a half difference right now, in my opinion. Texas heads to Baylor to battle the Bruins. Noon kick on ABC. Pittsburgh welcomes in Miami of Florida at noon on the ACC network. 20 and Pittsburgh at 17th rank. Iowa State heads to West Virginia. Two o'clock kickoff for that one. Number one ranked Georgia heads into Jacksonville to battle the Gators. They will be playing that game at in Jacksonville for that game. 3.30 kickoff for that one. Texas Tech at Oklahoma at 3.30. Oklahoma fourth ranked in the country. Seventh ranked Oregon will welcome in Colorado. 3.30 kick on Fox. Duke heads to Wake Forest. Wake Forest, 13th ranked in the country. That's a 4 p.m. kick. 7 p.m. kicks look like this. Ole Miss, 10th ranked in the country, will take on the 18th ranked Auburn Tigers. 12th ranked Kentucky Wildcats will head down to Brandon Walker's Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. 7 o'clock kick for that one. Kentucky, a one-point favorite in that game, by the way. Kansas takes on 15th-ranked Oklahoma State on FS1. 19th-ranked SMU takes on Houston. 7 o'clock kick for that one. The nightcaps look like this. 7.30 on the big network, ABC. It will be 20th-ranked Penn State heading into the shoe to take on Ohio State. 5th-ranked in the country. It will be a scarlet out in that one. The other game, big game, it will be North Carolina, the Tar Heels, 4-3 and three overall, will take on the 11th-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 7.30 kickoff for that one. Notre Dame, a 3.5-point favorite in that one. Virginia travels all the way out to out to Provo to battle the BYU Cougars at 10.15 on ESPN2. Fresno State takes on San Diego State, 10.30 kickoff for that one. Other Big Ten games happening besides the Michigan-Michigan State and Penn State-Ohio State game. Looked like this in week nine uh, in Iowa and Wisconsin. Rutgers is at Illinois. Indiana is at Maryland. Minnesota travels to Northwestern. Purdue battles Nebraska. And like I mentioned, the other Big Ten, the other MAC game, the only other MAC game that's happening is Buffalo taking on Bowling Green at Buffalo. Noon kickoff for that one right there. So big slate of games. Get it ready. Get your set. 
We'll have all the predictions on Friday's Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Elford right here on the Anchor Network as well as on Facebook Live as you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's dive into the NFL. Oh, let's talk about the Lions. So let's talk a little NFL as we've just been told that the uh, Monday night game has just gone final as the Saints beat up on the Seahawks tonight 13-10. to Okay, so thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate you just told me that. My apologies. As we are doing this post-game edition of All Andy Alford, as the Jackets a big winner tonight over the Dallas Stars 4-1. to Let's dive into the NFL first and foremost and... Of course, we recap the Browns game on Friday's Falcon Friday edition of the program as the Browns defeated the Broncos on Thursday Night Football 17-14. to Now let's talk about the other team. Let's talk about the other team that's on the mistake on the lake that is, that is the true now mistake on the lake, and that is the Lions. I told you this. I told you this. I knew it. You knew it. We all know it. The Lions were going to win against the Rams. And I will say this. I thought that, you know, how competitive they played against the Rams and having the lead at going, almost having the lead going into halftime and be down only one at halftime, you know, I would have thought, you know, that's a win. That's plain and simple. That's a win. And the second half, it looked like the team put got back on the bus and left. Plain and simple. Lions stayed with it, made only three points in the second half, but the Rams just torched us. And Matthew Stafford throws three D three TD passes in the game. Golf under pressure the entire game. You know, I I I just I just don't see it, folks. I just don't see this team winning another game this year. I really don't. It would surprise me. Like I said, two wins was is would surprise me this year. I just don't see it now. I the path is not there. The path is not there. As the Lions now fall to zero and seven with a twenty eight to nineteen loss to the Rams. Golf twenty two for thirty six for two hundred sixty eight yards, one TD, two interceptions. His QBR rating with a thirty nine point six. Unbelievable. Williams, 12 carries, 57 yards. Swift, DeAndre Swift, 13 carries, 48 yards. Uh, Raymond, 6 catches, 115 yards. Swift, 8 catches, 96 yards, 1 TD in the game. And that was the only TD in the game. Unbelievable. It's Unbelievable. Ugh, this is unbelievable. I mean, how bad this team is. But I, I, I can't be surprised. I, I honestly can't be surprised at how bad this Lion team is. You know, the amount of disappointment that this team has had on me for my entire life, it's just, it's just proven it. It just honestly is proven time and time again. Matthew Stafford torched us. He was 28 for 41 for 334 yards, three TDs. His QBR rating was an 85.8%. 
Henderson, 15 carries, 45 yards. On the receiving core, Cooper Cup, 10 catches, 156 yards, 2 TDs. Jefferson, 4 catches, 43 yards, 1 TD in the game. Woods, 6 catches, 70 yards, no TDs in the game. The overall team stats looks like this. The Lions had 19 first downs to the Rams, 22. On third down, the Rams were for 9 for 13. The Lions were 6 for 15. The Lions were 2 for 3 on thir- fourth down. The Rams 0 for 1. They, I, I will do give you good credit that Campbell did a fantastic job faking the punts a couple times, and the defense was not ready for that, and they got the big first down plays, but they couldn't generate any big thing out of it. They really couldn't, and I was just absolutely you know, not surprised by that. 415 total yards for the Lions in the game, 278 through the year, 137 on the ground. The rushing defense was there for the Lions. for Of the 374 yards that the Rams had, 47 of which were on the ground, 327 through the air. So it shows you that their pass defense is terrible, but the run defense is there. On penalties, six, eight penalties for 77 yards for the Lions, Four penalties, 35 yards for the Rams. The Lions turned the football over twice in the game. They led in possession, by the way, 32 minutes and 40 seconds to 27 minutes and 30 seconds. So they led in possession. There's some good points on it. But like I said before, this is the Lions. It just doesn't get easier for the Lions. Lions will now head home. They'll take on the Eagles, who are 2-5 and five overall. 1 o'clock kick for that one. Then they head to Pittsburgh. That's a loss. They head to to Cleveland. That's a loss. Thanksgiving Day, they play the Bears. That's a loss. They play Minnesota at home. That's a loss. They play at Denver. That could be a win. Play at home against Arizona. That's a loss. Lions play at the Falcons. That's a win, possibly. Or at Seattle. That's a loss. They welcome in. Green Bay is the last game of the year. That's a loss. So two wins. That's all I can say. Two wins. So we'll see. We'll absolutely see what happens. So now it's time to recap. Week 7 of the National Football League. And here we go. Let's start it all off. Of course, like I mentioned before, Thursday Night Football as a bakerless Cleveland Browns welcome in Teddy Bridge over troubled water. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos. And, of course, Case Keenum leads them down the field to a big victory as the Browns beat the Denver Broncos 17 to 14. We then head over to Green Bay. The frozen tundra that isn't frozen quite yet. As they welcome in the Washington Football Club. As it was all Aaron Rodgers in their 1950s uniforms. As Green Bay beats Washington 24 to 10. We have, well, Houston, we have a problem. It's Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes and the Chiefs head into Tennessee, and it was a shellacking like anything else. As it was all Tennessee in the game, putting Mahomes down like a puppy on Michael Vick's day. 
as it was Tennessee a winner 27-3 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Ain't going to be dancing no more, Patrick's brother. We head down to Miami. Miami having the opportunity to win a football game, but Matty cool as ice. Capitalizing on a play in the fourth quarter, getting them into field goal range. Atlanta wins 30-28. We head up to Gillette, where the JTS sucks, sucks, sucks. Headed in to pace Bill Belichick and the young quarterback and the New England Patriots and the Patriots roll over with the roll tie quarterback Mac Jones 54-13 over the Jets the G-Man welcome in Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers and of course Carolina laid a freaking egg it was 5-3 at one point in this football game but the G-Man decided to roar back and they beat up on the on the Panthers 25-3. Are the Bengals for real? Joe Burrow and his Bengals go in to Baltimore and beat up on Lamar Jackson by a score of 41-17. Setting that we were who de who de who's in first place in the AFC North? The Bengals. The Raiders in Vegas with Brent Busberger calling the game. Welcome in Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles flatline at the casino table as the Raiders beat the Eagles 33-22. Showing who's boss in the NFC West are the Arizona Cardinals beating up on the Houston defenseless Texans 31-5. History was made in Tampa Bay as Tom Brady, 600 TD catches and TD throws, my apologies, almost gave the football away to a young fan. They got the football back. Tom Got a chest full of footballs while Justin Fields was throwing up picks as it was Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers a 38-3 win over the Bears. And then in the pouring rain in Levi Stadium, a pair of wet jeans worn by Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers fall apart to the Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz. A winner at 30-18 over the San Francisco 49ers. And tonight, of course, like I may have mentioned before, Jameis Winston and his New Orleans Saints head up to a Russell Wilson-less Seattle who are still writhing and ranting over the new Kraken as Seattle falls to the New Orleans Saints 13 to 10. That is week 7 in the National Football League. Week 8 looks like this. As week 8 will kick off on Thursday night as Green Bay travels out to the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale to take on 
the Arizona Cardinals. 8-20 kickoff for that one on the Fox Network and the NFL Network. I'll take Arizona to go 8-0. So those are the recap from week 7 of the National Football League. The uh, prediction for week 8 is Arizona over Green Bay in the game on Thursday night. As you are listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time for the end of our program tonight. It's time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for the end of our program right here. And first and foremost, I want to thank you for tuning into your tuning into the podcast tonight. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe subscribe button. We do podcasts every every Monday or Tuesday, as well as every Friday for Falcon Friday on the Anchor Network, as well as on Facebook.com. So thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. Tonight, of course, it's Andy Rants, and we have uh, it's not really an Andy Rant tonight. We're going to preview the MLB World Series tonight. The final two ga- two teams have finally made it up. It will be the Houston Astros, the American League champion, who have defeated the Boston Red Sox in six games as they defeated the Red Sox on Friday night, as they defeated them and getting them into the World Series for the for the third time in five years. They will take on the Atlanta Braves, who defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, I, I like this matchup between these two teams. Uh, if I have to pick anybody, I'm taking Atlanta. I think Atlanta gets it done in six games. Uh, I think the win on Saturday for them really helped them out into their relieving role. Uh, I believe that Atlanta is the better bullpen as well as the better pitching staff than uh, the the Astros. The Astros will have timely hitting with Tuve and Bregman, but I just don't see. I I, I like I like Freeman. I like I like Rosario. I like all this. This team is pretty put together. I think Atlanta gets the job done in six games and defeats the Houston Astros in six. Do they win the championship in Atlanta? We'll see. We'll absolutely see what happens. So there's that for you right there. So there is uh, Atlanta in six for the MLB World Series. Uh, But the big news which is the Andy Rants tonight, is what's happening in Major League Baseball. Of course, uh, there is a possible talk that there will be a work stop as short as starting on December the 1st. Uh, we can't have that happen in Major League Baseball. We honestly cannot have that, have that happen in Major League Baseball. The game is starting to grow a lot more. More kids are wanting to play baseball more. And I think... It would just be bad for what what we have seen in the past, especially with me being a hockey fan. Two work stoppages in my entire lifetime in the span of six years from 04 and then again in 2010. I just don't want that to happen in Major League Baseball. We had it close in the National Football League. We've had it close in, in the NBA. 
but they got the deals done. We need to get this deal done for Major League Baseball so that we can see what happens. And also, the big news also today is that, you know, what I'm hearing is that Trevor Bauer might be on the might be on the off the books for the Dodgers if they can re-sign Max Scherzer. If they get rid, if they sign Max Scherzer to a long-term deal with the Dodgers, then Trevor Bauer, I think, is out. Where do you think I want him to go? I'd like to come him to come back to to Cincinnati to recapture what he had his Cy Young year. Of course, the whole situation with the baggage situation with the girl and everything like that, that's going to weigh heavily over the situation. But he can get back into the swing of things, back into the back on the mound and get back into being the dominant pitcher that he is. So hopefully we could see that happen. But we the first and foremost thing is that we need to get this work. This, the players and the MLB have to come to agreement on this because we cannot have baseball be lost to a work stoppage. We honestly can't have that happen. We honestly can't have that happen. It's plain and simple. Absolutely plain and simple. So there is that for you tonight on Andy Rants. Uh, we'll be back on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition of the program. Uh, yeah, the Jackets will be playing the uh, Rangers. We'll, of course, be on the air a little after 10 o'clock for Andy Rant, for the uh, All Andy Elford Falcon Friday edition to get you set up the big games on Friday, on Saturday night, as well as Saturday day for college football, as well as the NFL predictions as well for week eight. And like I said, I take care Arizona over Green Bay in the Thursday night game. So, of course, this is the last weekend for Cedar Point being open. I'll be headed to the park on Thursday to take in the last bit of the park. Um, so there's that. Um, other than that, that's going to be it for only Andy Elford tonight. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Remember, like and subscribe the podcast. Uh, share it with your friends, family. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning into the show tonight. That's going to be all for all Andy Elford tonight. Remember, as always, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Congratulations on the big win tonight against the Dallas Stars. That's why we did this show. Post-game edition. Go Walleye. Get back onto the winning page. Let's go Falcons. Get back onto the winning page against Buffalo. Go State. Michigan and Ohio State. And go Falcons hockey team. Congratulations. Big win against Miami of Ohio. And go Braves. Go Braves. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition of Ball and the Alfred. Love you, babe. Talk to you guys then. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. And on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network. Powered by Anchor.